Despite the lack of national media coverage, Miami has been one of the best overperforming teams in the NBA. So why isn't Eric Spolster getting consideration for the Coach of the Year award? And is Pat Riley looking to upgrade the point guard position? If so, there are two candidates that could be options for Miami. All that and the latest updates on Jimmy Butler's injury and his return to the court on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucaneat.com. Joining me as always, it's longtime NBA reporter David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We'll get to Eric Spolstra's Coach of the Year case and a couple of trade targets that have popped up that the Heat could be interested in later on. But let's start, David, with Jimmy Butler, who on Tuesday spoke to the media for the first time since injuring his foot in Utah on December 30th. Butler actually said he was afraid that the injury was much uh, more severe at first, but uh, that he's just thankful that it's just the foot or the toe injury that he's dealing with now. He said that he's not at a place where he can run or jump without pain, but hopes to get there soon. We got the sound right here. Um, I just think it's, uh, I don't believe in luck all the time. I think stuff happens, um, but we're doing everything we can to get me back on the floor. I can't say that. Um, I'm, I'm moving better. I can break a little sweat. And I promise I'll be ready to go when I can. Did you know something was wrong as soon as you mentioned you kind of stepped wrong in Utah? Yeah, Did you? I actually thought it was way worse than it, it really was. I was scared for a much larger reason because of a bruise or a, a bruise or a bone, whatever you want to call it. I'm just so glad it wasn't like myself and some other people's man thought. So when you hear that, what do you think, David? I think it sucks to be honest with you. I think uh, the fact that he uh, he's grateful that it wasn't so bad, but I, I mean, I, I have concerns and I've mentioned those before and I continue wow. to do so. Like this shouldn't have been this severe an injury that took him out something like this. And now we're starting to see, like he, he, like the way he makes it seem as a positive, I'm just able to break a sweat. That that's not a positive. Like you know, this seems indicative of like somebody who's going to be missing a lot more time, and might take some time in order just to return to normalcy. And we've the Heat have been dealing with this all season long. Like he did, he missed the entirety of the preseason, and we just recently got quotes from his agent saying, "Well, he's been on a long playoff run. Of course, he's going to be injured, but he's missed time." Since the, the slow ramp up at the start of the season, Miami struggled as a result. Then he missed time again, and now he's missing more time. And I just continue to think my big concern, and I, maybe I'm just indoctrinated into heat culture, right? You know, the regular season doesn't matter. All it's just let me know when Jimmy's healthy in April and if he's able to score 40, 50 points against the Milwaukee Bucks. But is that realistic anymore? Like, I we cannot continue to count, nor can the Heat especially continue to count on Jimmy Butler being able to be that productive. And if he's talking about these nagging injuries and everything else like that, I'm not necessarily a, a, a kind of doom and gloom sort of guy. In fact, I, I think I'm pretty you know, optimistic in general when it comes to this team. Yeah. But that does not sound great to me. Like the, the fact that he's dealing with this and is just able to break a sweat. God, give me a break. Like, I mean, at yeah. this point in time, when is he ever going to get on the floor again? You're, he's 34 years old. And I kind of got on here hoping that you would be the optimist because I kind of came away with the same thing. And now that you're not being very optimistic, now I'm even more pessimistic than where it's I a was panic the this thing. 
So, um, <laughs> look, I, you're right. He's 34 years old. It's been one thing after another. He even said, he's like, I don't believe in, in luck, but sometimes things just don't go your way, which I was like, okay, like whatever, that's semantics. But he clearly looks at this as sort of an unlucky break as opposed to maybe wear and tear based on the fact that he is 34 years old and he has played a lot of minutes over the course of his career. Um, but if if it's this, if it's the calf strain that kept him out for four games before that, you mentioned the injury in the preseason. There, It's one thing to be very cautious with your star player. It's another thing when it kind of feels like a Kawhi Leonard situation, the way that it was for those la- for these last couple of years. And, of course, Kawhi got healthy, but Kawhi's also younger than Jimmy Butler, so it's not a great comparison. But, you know, the Clippers just couldn't ever count on him to be available, and it kind of it, it ruined two seasons, at least two or three years it ruined for the Clippers. And I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen for Miami. That's too much of an extreme. But we're going on now a dozen days with Jimmy Butler not being able to even practice. We're not playing. We're not, not talking about a game. I'm talking about practice, right? Like that's he's not even practicing. He's on the he's on the side of the practice today, just taking standstill jumpers, like barely moving, like not even practicing layups. And when he says that he can't run or jump without excruciating pain, which is what he went on to tell us uh, on Tuesday afternoon, I. We're, we're, we're not even at the point where we're ramping up to when he's going to start to play. And, of course, that ramp up takes another couple of days to get into basketball shape. Again, he can't run or jump. And as great as a, a shape that Jimmy Butler keeps himself in, when you're not running or jumping, you're going you're gonna to lose your wind and you're not going to be in, in game shape after what's going on two weeks now. And who knows much, how much longer it's going to take before he even can start that ramp up process. So in terms of when it is that Jimmy Butler is going to be back in a heat uniform and playing for them, I don't know. I don't know, and I think that part is concerning. Now, if we do want to spin it positive, David, the Heat have won more of their games than they have lost with Jimmy Butler out of uniform. Jaime looks great. Nikola Jovic is in the starting lineup. Other guys are starting to come back. Kyle Lowry went down. Caleb Martin is is still out. But I don't know. I guess the positive so far would at least be, well, you haven't exactly needed him to be uh, in fourth place in the East right now. Yeah. No, it's all fair. And and again, Maybe there's still that overarching kind of idea or notion. You know what? He'll come back. He'll play some games. He'll miss some time down the road again. He'll take the all-star break because he probably won't be picked to go to uh, Indiana. And then we'll see what happens in April. And then if he turns it on, as he always does, or as he historically has done since he joined Miami, then maybe all those concerns will be get swept under the rug. But you're talking about an aging player, and I think we're starting to see, if not the beginnings of the ends, beginnings of a very concerning trend that have derailed players of his age and skill set in the years past. Doesn't do great for him when he's going into a summer where he's eligible for an extension either, right? These injury things don't bode well for him. Uh, You mentioned the all-star case, any end of season awards, all those things. He was actually asked about that, um, about whether or not this matters to me. He's just, you know, the answer to that. You think I care about some bleeping award? And that was pretty much the end of that, that conversation. But I, I think, when you look at what this means also for the heat going forward, and we're going to get to this later on, but it might make more sense to make a move before the trade deadline. If you feel like you're going to be missing 20 to 22 points per game from Jimmy Butler, because we could talk about all the, the heat culture things about setting hard screens and rebounding and getting turnovers and playing good defense and playing in the zone and whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, you need somebody to put points on the board and Miami's biggest problem this year well, they've had a couple of issues, but sometimes yeah. they just can't score. And and if if you're already going to be without Jimmy Butler for whatever amount of time that this is going to be, 
And again, I don't pretend to know. And I don't, and there's, there's no real solid reporting. If anybody tells you that they know how long Jimmy Butler is going to be out, they're lying. Cause even Jimmy Butler doesn't know because this is all a pain tolerance thing. And he wakes up every day, monitors the foot and says, okay, can I run or jump today without excruciating pain? And that's how this is going to go until it kind of goes away and he's able to get back onto the court. So it doesn't make more sense than for them to make a move or David, I would say, is it, I can't imagine that you would just punt and say, well, if Jimmy's not healthy, then we have no chance anyway, because you're hoping, like you said, that he will be healthy for the ramp up. And I, I don't think anybody expects this to be an issue that goes into the playoffs. I'll be honest with you. I, I tend more to see it from the latter perspective. I, I think you're not going to be able to replicate what Jimmy does. That superstar trade isn't available before the trade deadline. And that being the case, if you can't get somebody that's on the par of, say, a Dame Lillard, which is why that pursuit was, took place over the summer, or a, a, a you know, Donovan Mitchell or anybody else along those lines that's going to raise the ceiling of this team that significantly this year, Miami will go into the trade deadline with the same approach they've had in years past, but this team is enough because they're going to have to figure it out because it doesn't really matter if mm. Jimmy can't go anyway. So there's no point in doing like the acquisition of any of the players that we'll talk about this segment or over the next month before the trade deadline won't really be like there won't be saviors for this franchise. They'll be complimentary no, role players. Complimentary in hopes that Jimmy Butler eventually does get back onto the court and is healthy. And by the way, all of this, I think they do have a cautious approach with Jimmy, just like they did with Bam and all these things, because their eye is at being uh, you know the healthiest they possibly can be by the time that the playoffs roll around. Other updates really quick. Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin, doubtful for Wednesday night's game against the Thunder. Lowry is listed with that hand injury, so he's doubtful, kind of also with him monitoring him day-to-day. So TBD on that, no timetable for his return either. But coming up, should Eric Spolstra be getting more consideration for Coach of the Year given all of these injuries? I'll actually tell you why he should be the favorite for Coach of the Year after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, well, basically wrapped up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet. You can have live same game parlays. You can find more bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular plays, parlays, excuse me, and there's so much more. Have you come down from your optimism that the Heat, I'm sorry, that the Dolphins are going to be able to beat the Chiefs somehow in Kansas City to start the playoffs? We just we just uh, signed Justin Houston for a backup defensive end. Uh, oh, there you go. That's it. That's the move. That's the move. It helps. You know, I, I'm not backing down. It's last time I checked, the Chiefs were three and a half point favorites at home. I think even Vegas is giving the Dolphins a lot of respect here. I still like the Dolphins. Let's go. Yes, but you know better. You suffered the PTSD. You know exactly what it takes. You know what's going to happen. They re- just- Every time they, they think I'm out, they, they suck me back in. <laughs> so visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to Locked on Heat. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked on, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked on Sports Today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. David, we need to have a conversation about Eric Spolster and why I think he should be considered the front runner for coach of the year 
right now, according to FanDuel's odds, he's 11th to win the award. An award, by the way, that he has never won before. The favorite, according to FanDuel Sportsbook, Mark Dagnall of Oklahoma City at plus 130. Minnesota's Chris Finch at plus 250. Orlando's Jamal Mosley at plus 750. A few other play, uh, coaches. And the Eric Spolster all the way down at 11th at plus 8,500. All right? So he's basically... He's on the board because he's one of 30 NBA head coaches, but he's not really considered in the mix here. And I think that that's ridiculous. At the, if he's not going to be your betting favorite, I get it. I think what the job Dagnall has done has been awesome. Ditto for Chris Finch, double ditto for Jamal Mosley, right? And if I had to vote between any of those three guys, I'd probably pick Mosley over Dagnall or Finch. But if I really could, if I, if I were going to vote for anybody right now, I think I would vote Spo. And I don't think he's being considered enough for this, for this thing. First of all, he has dealt with more adversity than any of those other coaches at all. And maybe the closest one would be Jamal Mosley because they've had their own injuries and they're, they're dealing with the Franz Wagner thing now. And they've dealt with some real injuries. Oklahoma City, they've been great. And, and I'm, I don't mean to take anything away from them, but when you talk about adversity, Spolstra mm. has dealt with a ton, okay? he's I, I, Considering that the Heat are fourth place in the Eastern Conference and they have missed Bam, for 10 games, Butler for 10 games going on more, Tyler Hero for 18 games. Those are just your star players, right? They've also missed, to Darvin Ham's point, some of their role players. Caleb Martin for 16 games. Haywood Highsmith for 14 games. Those guys were projected starters, and whether it was going to be Caleb or Highsmith at the four. Josh Richardson, oh. who has started games for Miami this year, he's missed nine games. They've had to use 19 different lineups because of these injuries. They have 120 combined missed games due to injury this season. That's uh, the fourth most fourth. in the NBA this year in that bottom five in terms or top five, however you want to word it, the teams, the, the, the teams, the five most games missed Memphis, Charlotte, Detroit, Miami, and Portland. The only one out of that list that even has a winning record, let alone right now, home court in the first round of the playoffs is Miami. Right. And I think that speaks volumes about the job that Spolster has done. And the fact that it has gone so under the radar almost also proves my case because we're just so used to seeing this from Eric Spolster. Really quick, again, looking at some of these other injuries. Oklahoma City, they have missed the fewest games in the league due to injury. They have an MVP legit candidate, not like one of those fake candidates like we got to mention him. Like Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a legit candidate, third on the MVP uh, Kia ladder thingy that NBA.com does right now. As of this week, they've only missed 22 games due to injury and very few of them to their star players. Chet Holmgren is going to steal rookie of the year from Victor Webinyama because he's been sensational. Heck, he's got an all-star case for them. Jalen Williams has been great. That that roster, I think Oklahoma City's roster, Minnesota's roster, even Orlando's mm -hmm. roster, you can argue all of those are more talented groups than what the Heat have, which sounds crazy considering that Miami was in the finals last year, but I don't think that it is. Minnesota has Towns, Gobert, Anthony Edwards, uh, McDaniels, Orlando's got a bunch of talent across the board. All these teams are super talented. I'm not saying that the Heat aren't, but their most talented players have missed a huge portion of their games this year. And so I I think when you kind of compare it, and you actually sit here and make a case, not only do I think Eric Spolster deserves to be squarely in the mix here, I think he should be the bona fide, with a bullet, front runner for Coach of the Year right now. Excellent case. Well stated. And none of it matters. I think it ultimately, <laughs> no, no, not look again. I believe you. I, I, I know that Spo, but we're saying something that we say every year. Like, there isn't a year in which Spo 
cannot be considered a coach of the year because he's always gotten his teams to overperform with the exception of maybe the big three era, right? And that's held against him because he had one of the more talented teams in the group and he wasn't able to just clinch four straight finals. And there was a a couple lottery years after that too, you know, the stuff was going on, Chris Bosch, all that kind of stuff, you know? Sure. Yeah. But I mean, he's just, he's never going to get the consideration. He think he's just a product of that. Why do you say he'll never get the consideration? Is this again like one of those things that you say that the national media never respects him? Because I think the one no, instance, no, no, no. Okay, I, think, okay. they, I think they respect the hell out of him. But he's just a product of a franchise that's viewed as more machine than man. It's just it's just it's singular Terminator like entity that just keeps churning out playoff appearances keeps churning out new role players where none existed before. But finds a way gets to, the credit for that. I think even like some credit, people but who not, vote but that's on the whole thing. thing. But how it's, it's, it's credit and it's, you're going to divide that credit evenly. Is it Jimmy Butler? Is it Bam Adebayo playing, doing his yeoman like work? Is it Pat Riley and Adam Simon in the front office? Is it somebody different or is it just the organization and heat culture? Like these things all kind of chip away. Think of it as a pie, right? You know, not blame pie necessarily, but credit pie in this sense. And all those different aspects of what makes this Heat organization so special and so unique mm-hmm. get a slice of that pie. And so when it comes to any one individual, you can't look at one individual you, being responsible for, course, for this. But you literally success. could say that about any candidate. Is is Dagnall's job him or is it Shea Gilgis Alexander being maybe the best guard in the NBA right yeah, now? But, but it's know? also but it's also overperforming against the weight of expectation and that's what the that thing. team was supposed to be. And that's and why I make team, the point. And that's why, like this, you, like this team was in the finals. So getting the fourth seed in the East yeah. should not be considered uh, uh, overperforming expectations. But I would argue it is because they were in the play-in tournament last year. And the yeah. only reason they got to the finals last year is because the most dominant force on the Eastern uh, Conference side of the bracket was Eric Spolstra. Just like Nikola Jokic was the most dominant force in the West going through that playoff bracket, Spo was the most dominant force consistently. After you got past the first round and a half where Jimmy Butler was the most dominant force, it was Spolstra for the for the balance of the, the Eastern Conference bracket. And I think people are catching on to his powers now because the GM survey before the year unanimously voted the best coach in almost every aspect of, of, that, of that survey. I don't know. I think I, I I understand the point that you're making in terms of like yeah. where does the credit begin and where and 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 you're absolutely right. Like we have historically had a hard time with Spo back then. I mean, look, I went back and just and went through. Okay, what were the years he got snubbed? Because it sounds crazy that he's number one coach of the year, right? But what like specifically, what years did he get snubbed? Okay, so the Heat got the number one seed in the East uh, two years ago, 2021, 20, 2022. They had 53 wins. Yep. I think you could have made a strong argument that he should have won absolutely. it that year. But Absolutely. at the same time, and nobody here is saying that Monty Williams is a better coach than Spo, but that year, the Suns won 11 more games with Monty Williams as coach. It's really as the number one seed in the West. 11 more games. That's in a harder conference. So I get it. I, Snub might be strong, although I thought Spo should have deserved stronger consideration for that. And didn't really. I don't really remember him getting a ton of consideration for it. But you can't really dispute Monty Williams no. winning it that year. They won Again, they had, games. they had gone so, to the... The, they had gone to the finals just two years prior, and yeah. it was the shortened COVID season yeah. and everything else like that. So it was that was the other year. The Heat got to the finals in 2020, but they were on pace in the regular season for less than 50 wins. But consider, I mean, I, you were covering the Warriors at the time, or, or you weren't covering the Warriors at the time. And I know as a fan, you were still watching Heat basketball and basketball in general. Oh, I wasn't but, because Matt, they were not in the playoffs. I see what you mean. Yeah, I was like, what? yeah, but yeah, but but yeah, but, but think about the the coverage of that team. It's like. 
There's no better team built for this. This was a team that was built for this. Jimmy Butler dribbling on you know, people's you know, heads at three in the morning and you know, growing beards out and, and pictures yeah. of their families and the and the little waiting areas. They were never gonna get that consideration. And I'll tell you something else. I know well, you can right, out, it's not a postseason award. That's the point. But you can't. But, but well, that 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 whole thing didn't count. I mean, they shut down the league in February. What are you going to do? Or March? Right. Excuse me. No, I know. Whole, but like, they, even whatever Spolster did in the bubble literally didn't matter because it didn't matter because it's a regular season award. Can I go one can more? I tell you one, yeah, two more. Forward, man. Two more times where he got snubbed. Sure. Got a lot of respect in twenty. Well, let me go back. Actually, one 2012, 2013. 66 and sixteen. Get out of here. Sixty six and sixteen. Twenty seven game win streak. That was the year he got snubbed. That was it. Denver's George Carl won Coach of the Year because he won games without some games. Not 66, yeah. with just because yeah. Carmelo Anthony left. All right. And people actually underappreciated how talented that roster was when Melo left and what they got back. That was a good team. So he got totally snubbed that year. But we did have a harder time even then sort of deciphering what the difference is between Spolstra and just, you know, just an awesomely LeBron. talented team. Yeah. And, and so I get that. But 66 wins is a lot. I think the year he really got snubbed, or not snubbed, again, that's not the right word, but the other year where he had a case for coach of the year, 2015-16, two years after LeBron leaves, the Heat uh, get to the third uh, get third place in the Eastern Conference. But what happened on the other side of the league? Steve Kerr's Warriors won 73 freaking games. So nobody was getting coach of the year other than Steve Kerr, even though Spo had a solid case that year as well. Yeah. Um, it is a little funny that if you, hey, you break the record, we'll give you coach of the year, even though you've got Kev, uh, you didn't have Kevin Durant at that point. It was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and all these guys. So it is very much sort of perception, but – I think he got snubbed that that one year during the big three, the 66 win year. He should have won it that year. It's hard to make the case that he got snubbed outright any other year, but it's still crazy that he hasn't won it. And I think he should win it this year. If I think if, sure. if we could vote right now, I think he should win it this year. But I'm going to tell you something else. And, and I think I speak for some Heat fans, maybe a lot of them. And I probably speak for some people in the Heat organization. Absolute sickos. I freaking love it. Screw your coach of the year. Don't respect us. Hate us every time. Count us out because it doesn't matter. We're going to still go in there and kick you right in the goddamn teeth, and you're not going to see it coming. You're going to be like, oh, what the hell? How does this team do, do, keep doing it? Keep crying your tears. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. We're going to keep fighting away. That's the way it works in that organization. I love it personally as just as a fan of basketball and this style. Like, oh, great. individual awards are fantastic. Like, I'd love Bam to get a defensive player of the year, but I think it drives him to show everybody why he's a great defensive player even more. And I think Spoh is the same way. Oh, you know what? What would Spoh even... do if he actually won Coach of the Year? Would he just pull a Jimmy Butler and just, like, not no. smile, take the trophy, say thank you, thank you very much? And he'd then thank the teams. he do... thank the, te- the, the team, the players. Yeah, this is about you know, the players and it's about the organization. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. I don't even want him to win the award because that would just make I just want somebody <laughs> to enjoy winning something. It's okay to want individual things, people. It's okay. It's okay, and it could jive with heat culture. It's fine. It's okay. Team ethos. You can't. You got to just sacrifice individuality. Check your ego at the door, Wes. Heat culture. I can't do it. My ego is too big. It doesn't fit through the door. (laughs) Are the Heat sneakily scanning the trade market for an upgrade? There are rumblings that suggest that they might. We talk about what names they could be targeting after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Look, uh, it's the New Year's, right? Uh, a lot of people make resolutions, and one of those resolutions is kind of you know focusing on a lot of those resolutions are focusing on these things that you want to change about yourself, or you want to focus on this, or maybe you want to achieve that goal or that dream. Those are all fantastic goals, and absolutely they should be made. But at the same time, you can just accept who you are, and if you want help in coming to grips with the person you are, you want to have questions about why you do the things that you do, or you just want to talk to somebody else whether it's about good things, bad things, or everything in between, that's what therapy can do. And if you're looking to try a therapist and you want to find a solution, then BetterHelp is the solution for you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. You feel, fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made at this new year. Visit betterhelp.com slash lockdown be today. You get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp H-E-L-P.com slash lockdown MBA. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Zach Lowe on his podcast yesterday mentioned that he expects the Heat to be in the market for a guard. And there are growing rumblings around the league that the Heat will look to add another piece before next month's trade deadline. Lowe mentioned two names that I want to ask you about specifically, David. Terry Rozier and Tyus Jones. Uh, depending on the cost, any of those names move the needle for you? Can I? Can I? Sorry, I know this is a complete pivot and we didn't dis- discuss this beforehand. I got two questions for you, if you don't mind answering those. One, and I think a lot of listeners, or at least based on some of the comments we've received, warrant the kind of answering of this question. Why are we digging into trades for this team? Because, one, I don't think it's realistic that the team is looking for a trade. But I think also we said at the start of the year that we would kind of try to avoid trade talk in general. Yeah. But why do you think it's trade not the only resolution I already broke. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> yeah, I just want to give an opportunity to kind of you know talk about it and say, you know what, this is why. I, because, I think this a is lot a, of- because the deadline's a month away. And yeah. I do believe the reports at the Heat are looking at moves. I don't think that the Heat are averse to making trades mid-season. And they, right. it, if anything, it would be weird if they weren't doing their due diligence. It doesn't mean just because they're maybe having conversations. And we don't know, by the way, that they're having conversations specifically about Tyus Jones or Terry Rozier. But it would right. be really weird if they just ignored the trade deadline. Like, that's not yeah. what this front office does that is so detail-oriented. And so why are we having these conversations? It's because the Heat are probably having some versions of these conversations. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And so when we're trying to figure out what are the Heat going to do before the deadline, they do have options. This is not a perfect team. Just because you think you have enough doesn't mean that you're a, that you also just rest on those laurels. Like I don't think that that's at all what Heat culture is either. Just be like, nah, we're good. Like they're always the, the whole thing with Heat culture too is we're always looking for more. We're always wanting to push. And I think if there's a deal that makes sense out there where you're not taking a bunch of long-term money back. Right. Right. Then then I think that these conversations are warranted. I think a couple of years ago we saw this where they made a little minor moves because they thought that they needed a little extra something to get over the hump. And they brought on Andre Godala, Jay Crowder, that whole group. And they made a push to the finals. Even last year, we tend to think, oh, we had, they didn't make any trades. They had enough the whole time. They got Kevin Love on the buyout market. He played a major role in what it is that he were able to do getting to the finals. So this is a team that's going to be looking for additions. And that's why we're having these talks. Fair enough. I wanted you to clear out and clarify that because I know a lot of people say, oh, you guys said you weren't going to talk about trades. 
trades are a realistic component of any NBA media coverage. Plus, this team, I think it's misinformed by some fans that think this team doesn't make midseason trades. They have, as you said, the Crowder trade. Goran Dragic I literally we just read the about other him. day. Yeah. The Heat don't make trades. They have not made a midseason trade since 2021. I saw that in an article. I was like, when year do you think we're in now? <laughs> yeah. It hasn't all, been that long recent. ago. Yeah, that, I know. <laughs> that was crazy. To your point, Goran Dragic was a big trade. They'd moved two first-round picks thinking that he was a third star next to right. D. Wade and Chris Bosh. That's a major midseason trade. This team yeah. is always looking. They tried to trade for Kevin Durant last year. They just didn't. <laughs> yeah. So Exactly. This team wants to make a move. This team has been trying to make a trade for the better part of three years now. They just haven't been able to do it. It doesn't mean that they're not going to keep trying to do it. Am I sorry that I broke my resolution? Yes. Is it this resolution I'm sorriest for breaking? No. I thought I was going to have dry January. You know how that how long that lasted? One day. So there we go. Um, <laughs> okay, my second question then. Why is it that you think that they're acquiring an offensive-minded guard? Like, well, the names that you'll mention in a second, notwithstanding – like I see, I tend to think that this organization is probably better suited by making a defensive-minded acquisition. Uh, I only mentioned Terry Rozier and Tyus Jones because that's who Zach Lowe mentioned, and I'm assuming that that's coming with some sort of either educated guess or some sort of background reporting around it. To be clear, Lowe isn't saying, like, the Heat are actively pursuing Tyus Jones or Terry Rozier. That's not what he said on the show. But he also, right. you know, is plugged in, and I'm assuming that those names are coming from something, if not only for the reason that those players are available. Tyus Jones is on an expiring contract. The Wizards are going nowhere fast. It makes sense that they might would try to get a second-round pick or two for him before he walks away in free agency because you know he's going to. He doesn't want to share backcourt with Jordan Poole anymore, and he's a good player. And then uh, in, in Charlotte's case, I think they're, act, they're not good, and I think they're right. actively trying to offload Terry Rozier's contract, which has two more years remaining after this. But I think at a fine number at around $22 million a year, which actually is right at that number that would make sense if Miami were to take on long-term salary, it would still fit below the luxury tax. That's like the kind of dollar figure that they could take on and still kind of stay out of the woods in terms of uh, luxury tax risk uh, over the next couple of years. So I think that's a name that makes sense. And in terms of why they would not pursue a defensive guard, what's the one that's available? Is it Malcolm Brogdon? Maybe. How much is that moving the needle? Are you really moving a first-round pick for Brogdon? I don't think so. So uh, Marcus Smart, I don't. I just don't know that Memphis is ready to move off of him, but maybe they are. I don't know. They traded a first-round pick for him. I don't know that they're willing to just give up, even though they could use some salary cap space. There might be other ways. They might try to uh, offload Steven Adams' salary, yeah, try to create the, the, salary that space that way. But I just don't know next, who the defensive guard is available. Alex Crusoe, everybody wants to point to. He's not – like the Bulls aren't trading him, I don't think. So, not for the kind of price tag that a lot of people think. You, you can't, right. you can't unless, trade yeah. that particular. Yeah, unless you get, like, unless they get like two first round picks, and Miami's not moving their only two first round picks for Alex Caruso because they're saving those for the star that might become available to, between now and next summer. So, I don't know. Uh, of of the two names there, I kind of tend to prefer the uh, the volatility and 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 inflammability of uh, of <laughs> of Terry Rozier. Really, I'm surprised by that. I thought you would go Tyus Jones. No, I, I, you know, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't think either of them are particularly great, and they're solid in, in different ways. But I think Rozier is more of that kind of big-time score. That if you're going to lean that way, you're going to say, you know mm -hmm. what, rather than just a steady hand like Tyus that does everything pretty good as opposed to doing anything particularly great, I, I think you could – the the idea of Rozier providing that occasional spark and, and finding a way to fit in as that occasional spark – probably raises Miami's ceiling mm -hmm. just enough. I, I, Tyus, that's like 
I don't think that's a significant upgrade over Kyle Lowry. It's, I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I don't I see it as a huge upgrade. Uh, I'm, I think I'm with you on that. Tyus Jones is shooting uh 44% from three point range this year. So that's a good mark. It's not enough limited ton, attempts, ton of volume. Yeah. It's 3.7 yeah. attempts per game, but that's more than Kyle Lowry's taking. Um, <laughs> and he's averaging 12.7 points per game defensively. He's okay. But to your point, he's also undersized. He's only six, one, not at a long wingspan. Rozier's like six, two, six, three, but he's got one of those like freakishly yeah. long wingspans. Where yeah. he's like almost like a six nine six ten wingspan, like it's crazy what he does. And he had some years in Boston where he was actually a good defender. Oh. And so yes. I think he still has it in him. At least he's got the frame for it. Where Tyus Jones doesn't. What's weird is that if you ask me in a vacuum, which player do I prefer? I think it's Tyus Jones hands down. But and you know, I remember talking with people in Memphis last year when he was playing for them, and I was like, "Why do you guys keep winning without John Morant?" And they're like, "Tyus Jones. That's the only reason. Right. Is he's that good, and he makes winning plays. Uh, not for Washington because it's really hard to win there. But generally speaking." But I like Rozier for this Heat team better as a fit. I like the idea of having a guy who could just go off for 22 points on any given night. I mean, he's averaging 24 points per game this year. The shooting splits are fine uh, overall. But as a three-point shooter, he's he's good. He's a 37% basically career three-point shooter. He can rebound yeah. for you. He can get he can get like a steal per game. And he can play make. He can play make. He's averaging 7.2 assists per year this uh, per game this year. He was at five last year in a little bit of a lesser role. I like Rozier. And if it were, La and I think it would actually cost you maybe only Lowry. I don't know what it would cost if you were the if you're the Hornets and you're trying to salary dump him, and you're and you're yeah. in Miami. You say, hey, here's Lowry's expiring. We'll take Rozier off your hands. Do you even have to attach a draft pick to it? I don't know. It's uh, he's a Dwayne guy, um, so that's a, a big thing too. I think that's a factor to consider. Like he and Dwayne are, are you know, they were they were close. They they have a friendship, etc. Uh, mm. Ty is being a Duke guy and with a lot of a strong Duke presence in the front oh. office too. I think that's also something to consider. Um, and, and look, Mitch Kupchak, the GM for the Charlotte Hornets, you know, he, he played for Pat Riley. Yeah, for now, but he played for Pat Riley, so that's something to consider. I, I, I you know, I thought of Rozier and I was like, oh, why would a uh, you know interdivisional rival trade a player? To, but I don't think it matters. Like, I don't think Charlotte is, <laughs> sees themselves as a competitor. It's like, oh, we don't want Terry Rozier, or Scary Terry, to come back and kill us. To yeah, your point, yeah, it's might it might be why you don't like a DeJounte Murray trade doesn't work is because Atlanta is a legit rival in your division. Uh, maybe a trade. I don't know that Orlando has any pieces that Miami wants, but sort of same idea, just generally speaking. Right. But to your point, like Charlotte's going nowhere fast. I think they'll just take the salary dump if they could right. take it. And I don't think they're necessarily worried about Terry Rozier coming back and killing them. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think both names are interesting and could provide something. And I, I just see Ty Jones kind of fitting in and not the same player. And I'm not going to, I'm going to be clear about that, but Kind of like what Gabe Vincent has, where where he was a you know a guy who is a much more secondary, maybe even a tertiary role. And if he can find his opportunity to come up big, he will. Um, and I like the point that you just made about why they were he was able to thrive in Memphis and keep them along their winning ways. That seems like a clear fit here. But again, I don't know something about Rozier. And I've been on you know we've seen too many games where he just goes off. Yeah, scary Terry is a real thing. You're going to see a lot of good points. You're going to see a lot of bad ones too. So. It's just something that you have to accept. But if you want that kind of volatility, just because it raises the ceiling a little bit for this team, I think I'd prefer him on this team. I'm surprised that you and I agree on that. 
We'll see what happens. It's um, the on waiters too. I, I just like a little, oh, like he's got like some late game cojones though. Terry Rozier does like I like. Yeah. Um, I'm updating this whiteboard for those on YouTube that could see. I got this whiteboard in the back. No, no, you gotta hide that. You don't want rival your rival podcast. Hey, Not us. Nope, nope. We're transparent here. We're letting we're letting Heat fans know exactly what the what the thinking is in that front office with this with this whiteboard that's directly from their front office. That's reporting. That. That's reporting right there. No. Oh, Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back Wednesday night with a recap of Miami's game against the Thunder.